Thanks, Teresa. Can we give Teresa a hand for all that she's doing for our children's ministry? Man. And she, and she uh, you know, asked the parents around here, man, she really loves our kids and knows them very well. And I just want to put an exclamation point on that, that uh, remember, what, we're, what she's asking for is one Sunday a month for four months, right? This one Sunday a month to kind of, instead of being here, being with the kids, I'm telling you, it is going to be the Sunday where you will, I'm not on, you can't hear me, I'm, I'm, I'm on here. You guys good? Yeah, all right, we're good. But it's a one Sunday a month for four months, and it'll be the Sunday where you will be filled up with joy. You know, the, I was back with the kids earlier before the service started, and it's so fun with kids because, you know, when you're with adults and you run out of things to say, it gets a little awkward, you know what I mean? But with kids, you run out of things to say, they got toys, and you're just playing with the toys with them. I was building something with Lexi back there, and then I'm building with her, and, and uh, this is Isabel and Gus's granddaughter, and all of a sudden she looks at me and she goes, you know what? And I said, what? She goes, I already saw you earlier today and you didn't see me. I was like, dang, little stalker here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's just so fun to be with them. You get filled up with joy. And so I just want to say, man, go tell, even if you don't think you're a children whisperer, I'm telling you, uh, you will be blessed by them as much as they will be blessed by you. Go and, and talk to Teresa and say, I'm in. Help me figure it out. I'll do one Sunday a month for four months. It'll be awesome. So Thank you, Teresa, and everybody who's doing this. Well, church, it's good to see you all. Um, it's been, uh, we're, we're, today, we're going to kind of step back a little bit and uh, just say, who are we as a church and where are we going uh, as a church? It's kind of like this uh, just bigger, bigger picture uh, of the church. And, and, and sometimes the way you start kind of, who are we as a church and where are you going, is to think about where we've been and the past 12 months. Think about the last year that we've been through as a church. It's been an incredible year. Uh, we, I mean, we have been holding service outside in a, we had to go through that season, remember that, in a broken down parking lot where every Sunday we were waiting for the one kid or three kids to fall and skin themselves, you know, ah, bam, you know, just uh, praise God we have a smooth parking lot now so that, you know, it'll be a little bit harder, you know what I mean? Uh, and, but you think, think about the last 12 months. What are some memories that stand out to you uh, if you've been with us for these last 12 months? What have been the things that just you remember that have really stood out? I, as I was going through this, I was thinking about the amount of meal trains and prayer sessions that we have done together for friends in our church and then family of friends in our church who had COVID. I mean, think about the amount of meal trains. Uh, Teresa coordinated that as well. I mean, woman, you just want to hang out with her, okay? She's, she's, uh, she's got, except for the Raiders shirt, she's got the glory of God on her, okay? That's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, but uh, you think about all the, oh, she's, she's gone. Okay, good. That's good. Uh, but, you know, we got all those meal trains. Think about um, the prayer ministry throughout the year. The amount of people receiving prayer up here in the back room up there, out in the parking lot, right? Uh, right here in the pews. I, I, I was remembering uh, the couple Saturdays that we went into downtown LA when there was all this up, uh, you know, unrest in our city. And we were right there surrounding the police headquarters praying, praying for the kingdom of God to come. Uh, those, that was powerful Saturdays together. Uh, I think about the different mobile vaccine clinics that we hosted right out here in that broken 
parking lot. Um, you know, funny story, while we were doing the mobile vaccine clinics, which was incredible, I mean, we, we gave so many vaccines, so many people, but that was that broken parking lot, and we had elderly, and they're tripping on things, and so a representative from Gil Cedillo's office came out to see it, and one of our doctors just took him around and is like, look at this parking lot, this is, this is not safe for people. So Gil Cedillo's office gave us a gift to help with the parking lot after that. So hey, you know what I'm saying? It was just all kinds of good stuff, but that was good. Uh, I think about all the food that we distributed right out front here during that COVID time. If you guys are with us, we had a back-to-school team bash just about a month ago, I think now, out here, three-on-three basketball tournament, and, you know, uh, uh, for all our teens, even the teens that don't look like teens, like Felipe and Nefti, I mean, everybody was out there. We were partying it up like crazy, and then I think about the last 12 months and all the testimony Sundays we've had and the different testimonies that people have been sharing with family, how God has provided for them. And then just all of some of you new folks who are walking with us now and getting to know you. It's just been an incredible 12 months. Just a couple weeks ago, I was finishing up helping a young couple a plan for their upcoming wedding that I'm going to officiate. And that's just always a joy moment for me as a pastor, right? I mean, a young couple in love and, you know, and you do... You got to tell them, like, it's not going to always be like this, but enjoy it right now. You know what I mean? And, and we were all fired up, and I'm helping them uh, plan uh, for their wedding. And then, <laughs> and, then, and, then uh, and then we finish it, and they leave, and I, we were in here. And then I go back into the office, and I hear all this laughter, but also crying. And so I go and peek in the middle room, and there's Jessica and Adriana's life group. And they're in small groups, and some groups are crying as they're sharing pain and talking. Other groups are laughing. You could tell they had been crying. And other groups are praying. And it was like, I, I, was, I wanted to stay there, cause, but I couldn't because it was a women's group, right? But it was like this sacred moment of just, this is our church. This is, this is what, what we do together. We, 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 we do life together. We, we love each other. We laugh together. We cry together. We go to, to Jesus together. And I'm like, this is it. How many of these moments have we had in the last 12 months? New Life Community Church, where are we going? Who are we and where are we going? I think these are questions that we should regularly be asking uh, Jesus. We should regularly be going to Jesus as individuals, as blood family, as church family, and say, Jesus, who are we and where are we going? Or more accurately, Jesus... Who did you make us to be, right? What's our identity in you? And then Jesus, where do you want to lead us? Jesus, who did you make us to be and where do you want to lead us? Well, in this next month, we are going to try to answer those questions for us as a church. We've realized that uh, as we are settling back into, you know, normal, not completely, but we've been walking together for a while through this crazy year. We got to ask these questions again. We need to get some clarity on what are the core values of our church. Clarity on the vision that Jesus is calling us into as we move forward together. And for those of you who are new or newer to our church family, we want you then obviously to know who we are and where we're going. uh, So that you feel that you're a part of it. So today I'm going to try to give this big picture. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to go deeper into the core values that are going to anchor us as a church. These are going to be Sundays of great importance 
I mean, every Sunday for me is, but these Sundays especially are of great importance. I really want to ask you, church family, to lock in in this next month because we're going to have some serious family meetings together. We need everyone to hear and then to discuss and then to pray and then to understand your part in all of this. I'm super excited about this. Our church is not an isolated church by itself. We are committed to an association of churches all over the U.S. and in different countries. It's an association of churches kind of like an extended family. It's where we strengthen each other, we support each other, we keep each other in check. Right? We pursue the, the vision of Jesus for our world and our generation. So we're all over, but the, the family that we're the closest to outside of just our new life right here is Hope Community Church in East L.A. Give it up for Hope. Pastor Enrique over there, right? Um, and then we have Epicenter Church in West L.A. that I'm right now helping lead that church. Yep. And, and then Epicenter Church in Pasadena, uh, which is sort of that, yeah, the mother church there. So they, the, us four churches are some, we're real close because we're obviously in the same region. And, but the whole association is called the Antioch Community of Churches. The Antioch Community of Churches. And we chose to call our association Antioch because of the scripture that is going to anchor today. The scripture in the New Testament, it was one of the original and first Jesus-centered churches after he rose again in the city of Antioch. And so, if you're able, would you please stand to honor the reading of God's word. We are going to be in Acts chapter 11. And we are going to start in verse 19. Verse 19 of chapter 11, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and, begin, and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've gathered us today. We thank you that uh, you have saved us, that you are healing us, that you are with us. Jesus, we're here because we need you. You are the source of everything that is right and good in our life. Come and give us more of you. 
We declare, Jesus, that these words that have been read, they're not just words on a piece of paper or a screen. They're your words given with your spirit that we would know you, that we would know how to have life in you. So come, Lord Jesus, and speak through your words to each one of us right where we are at. We love you, Jesus. This is your time. We pray all this in your name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You can have a seat. The, the church in Antioch that we just read about, this is a church that really embodied the vision and values that Jesus taught his disciples. Antioch is where the movement, the new movement of God really took off to go throughout the known world in the ancient world. The followers of Jesus in Antioch were the reason that you and I have a loving, transforming relationship with Jesus today. See, what you're going to learn about today is some of your most important spiritual ancestors. This is, this is family, y'all. This is We are learning about our family right here. You want to know about this, uh, this part of your family. You know, in the Bible, you'll see family members that you're like, oh, that's kind of rough that we're associated with them. This is family we want to be associated with. All right? You know what I'm saying? So this church in Antioch, they start because, remember, Jesus... You know, he was crucified in Jerusalem. He rose from the dead, gathered his Jewish followers mainly, and then he starts the church in Jerusalem, but he says, you need to go all over the earth. Go and tell them about me. Go and bring me to them. I am, I'm limited in a physical body, so I am going to give you my spirit so that I can be all over the place. Go, heal, save, redeem, restore this world. Well, the, the first Jerusalem church, they wouldn't, they wouldn't quite go, man. They were doing great things, loving their people in their city. But y'all know how it's hard to get out of comfort, right? It's hard to kind of break out of your own little comfortable circle of family and friends that are like you. And this was hard for them. But, you know, and Jesus, patient, patient, finally, he's like, it's got to go. So all of a sudden, he allows this great persecution of his church where they're, they're hunting. The authorities of the city are hunting down the new Jesus followers. And so this persecution scatters them. So now finally they're going. And as they scatter, if you notice what I read, it said uh, they start to settle in these other cities and, and outside of their own. And they start to share Jesus to people that they are beginning to live around. But did you notice, if you notice the details, they couldn't quite get out of their racial bias and racial comfort. In verse 19, it says that the Jewish folks only shared about Jesus to the Jewish folks that they found in the new city that they lived in, right? It's, it's just tough, man. It's tough to break through racial walls, amen? I mean, it is tough to just sort of like put yourself in that place, right, and be the only one in the conversation that's different and, and try to build those real friendships. That's really tough. It's tough to build multi-ethnic family. Now, thankfully, in the, the Jewish church, there was some minorities that were living in Jerusalem. They were immigrants into the city, right? And they, they saw the power and the beauty of Jesus. They, they joined this Jewish church, but they had to scatter too because they were getting hunted because they were associated with Jesus. So then it says that they, you know, were able to tell all the non-Jewish people, the Greeks in that area, that, uh, of who Jesus was. And there are a bunch of folks that said, we want in. So they started a church there in the city of Antioch. Now, you got to understand, in this city, there were three major ethnic groups. There were Greeks, 
there were Africans and there were Jewish folks. And so all of a sudden we find out just, it's just about two years after the church starts, if you jump to Acts 13, we, we get a list of who their senior leaders were. And in their senior leadership was African, Greek, and Jew. And so you realize that God's heart is finally happening in Antioch. He has been wanting since the beginning of sin and us breaking everything apart to bring the family together. He wants to bring his kids together and have this beautiful, diverse family that recognizes the godly difference in every group and then celebrates that and then together is in unity. And in Antioch, it's happening. The first church, it's really happening. You've got Greeks, Africans, and Jews all being together. So much so... And this is unheard of in the ancient world. Y'all think it's tough to do like multi-ethnic family and unity today? Whoo! It's unheard of in the ancient world. It's so radical that, did you notice in verse 26, we were told that in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Did you notice that? See, this is a major piece of our family identity, right? Uh, this diverse community, they decided... We're not just going to go, okay, we all decide to follow Jesus. Let's start the Jewish church in Antioch over here. Let's start the Greek church over here. And let's start the African church over here. Because we're all different. Peace out. We respect. They said, no, you know what? We're going to bring everybody together because the heart of God is to build family. But now we got all these differences. But we're united because we're all broken. We're all in pain. We all need forgiveness from our sins. We all want to have a relationship with a very good and loving God. That's what's unites us. Jesus is what's made us possible. So let's create a term that we can all unite around called Christian. Follower of Jesus. I mean, church, this is not a fringe issue for God. This whole racial unity, any kind of unity between different races, rich and poor, men and women, older and younger. I mean, whatever you want to talk about. Republicans, Democrats, even that, y'all, even that. This is not a fringe issue for God. Do you realize that every time you tell somebody or yourself, I am a Christian, what the heritage of that label means? That you are somebody who God, that you are separated and divided from God, and he made a way to come and make you united with him, and has now given you that spirit of love to build unity with the differences that are around you in your city. That is your identity as a Jesus follower. I, have, I am building unity with God because he loves me. And then in his spirit, I'm trying to build unity with all the differences around me with his love. New life. You notice what Jesus has built here in this room? I mean, take a look, right? Look at all the difference in this place. I mean, we all got masks on, but you can tell. You know what I'm saying? We all look like we're Star Wars characters right now. You know, as, I'm, I, as I look out at you, I'm like, I got a whole clone army right here looking at all these masks. <laughs> but you look closer and you realize, oh, man. Right? You see a lot of brown in this room, but there's different shades of brown. There's different stories, right? It's not all the same brown. Right? We've got different stories, different backgrounds. We have immigrant. We have American-born. And then you see, you see a little bit of Asian-American, Korean. Japanese, Chinese, you see some white American, you see some older folks in this room, you see some younger folks in this room, right, different ages. You realize the senior leadership of your church is two Latinos, two Asian Americans, two white Americans. 
Your staff team is two Latinas, two white Americans, one African American. Your life group leaders are one immigrant Latina, three Latinos, two Latinas. I mean, some of my favorite moments, because I know that this is not normal in Los Angeles. Even though we've got, I don't know, 100 different languages in this city, this is, this is when I know that the kingdom of heaven is right here with us. It's what happened in this, in this, back in this little room before church this morning. It's happened at all the retreats. Right back in that room, Gus, Lucy, myself, Dave, Kezia, right? We were all praying together. We were crying at times. We were going after God together. But there was something that was so unique where we wouldn't even know each other if Jesus hadn't saved us and brought us to this family. There's no way, man, we would be doing very different things on this Sunday morning except being there and locking all of our different stories into the same good and loving God. Only Jesus does that, and that's his heart, and that's what he's doing here in New Life. See, Jesus' followers are to break down all the walls that sin and brokenness and society have put up. We break down all the walls. And it takes a long time, and you're never done. We're always breaking together in the power and the love of Jesus between rich and poor, men and women, young and old, different racial groups, different political affiliations, different national identities around the world. That's the vision that Jesus has always given us, and that's where we're going to continue to grow. See, we see in our model, Antioch Church community, that they were led by a diverse team that represented the different people in their church family and in their city. So we, as a church leadership team, are trying to keep growing more and more into that team leadership here. We are moving away from the traditional American model of one pastor who is the face of everything, and we're trying to move into a more decentralized, functional team leadership model. We are, we are we, and, and it takes time, but that's where we're going. It's why you see different people, different Sundays up here leading, right? We're trying to actually keep growing into deepening our life group identities. Our life group leaders, as we move forward, are going to have more and more authority and more and more ability to speak into where we are going as a church. See, we want a church, our church, to be where people realize if I talk to my life group leader, right, I am talking to someone who has power in my church to advocate for me and to keep me connected and close to where God is taking this church going forward, right? Where everybody feels connected to the center of what's happening because we have such a team leadership model. There's not just one person everybody's got to be connected to in order to feel like they're a part of it. Can I get an amen for that? See, church... This is why Testimony Sunday is so important, because it empowers team and family, and it deepens our love and our diverse family. Holding one Sunday service a month for testimonies, that's a unique part of our church. Uh, not a lot of churches do that. Our church on, at Epicenter West LA does that because I'm leading the church, and I'll say, hey, this is a value I believe I see in scripture, right? See, most people expect that a Sunday service is a time to hear straight teaching from the word, from the pastor of the church. Now, obviously, we believe that. We see that modeled in the New Testament church. 
And so we're doing that three out of four Sundays a month, but we're trying to develop a team of teachers that represent the different life stories in this room because I, you know, uh, am limited in that way. But here's the thing. If you want to be about the word, you obey the word and you would then embrace Testimony Sunday. Because, see, if you break down all the letters in the New Testament, okay, there are letters written to all these early churches. If you break down all the letters written to the churches in the New Testament, you take the verses and you break it down, it is roughly, when you take a look at it, 50% of the letters to the churches are theology. It's, it's helping the churches have a right thinking about who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. That's important. And then 50% of the letters is practical instructions of how to do church. And it's all centered around love each other. It's all, 50% is all centered around love each other. Be a church that builds a family. Right? Be a church that builds a family. And so what that means practically is this. Okay? If you are somebody, and I want to emphasize this, only... If you only come to church on Sundays to hear a teaching, and then you go home, that's it. You're in, you hear the teaching, you go home. Or if you're somebody that only gets on the live stream or hears podcasts of teachings from the Bible, and that is it, you are not a Bible-centered Christian. Mm. You can say you're about the Bible. You cannot be a Bible-centered Christian if you don't obey the whole Bible. You have to tear out major parts of your Bible if your functional religion is just hearing teaching and going home. That the, the way to be Bible-centered is to love the family and to take what the Bible says and to do that with the family. And so that's what church is about, is we're slowly building a family. And of course, even in this size of church, we can't have everybody be best friends. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, we all got jobs and blood families. But here's what happens on Testimony Sunday, we get to love the family. Every single month, Testimony Sunday, we get to hear from the family. This in a church, right, there's a place of, there's different places of power in a church. What we do with our money is a place of power. We, we have talked about that a lot. I'm not going to spend time about how we try to be godly and faithful in how we deal with our money. But this stage right here is a place of power. Right, it's who's on the mic has a place of power, and every month we are giving a Sunday to share that power so that the family can deepen. We need each person in the church to embrace Testimony Sunday. It's always the second Sunday of the month. If you haven't figured it out by now, I'm telling you right now, second Sunday of the month. That should be a Sunday that you are here in the front row, and you are ready to say, I'm going to give time to let the family tell me about their life. And then I might have a Sunday where I'm going to share. Because when you are a follower of Jesus, right? I mean, you got these different ethnic groups that they created a label Christian. They were so committed. What happens in your life is for all of us, not just you. See, when Jesus is transforming your life, well, he wants to transform our life because we're connected as family. What he is convicting you of, when he is kind of giving you the hard word to repent and change something, guess what? We need that word. <laughs> because we're family. We're probably all struggling with the same dang things, right? Can you just imagine as we grow the healing that this is going to bring to our city, when we learn how to do church this way, 
continue. We're doing it and we keep going. Can I get an amen for that? Mm. All right, this leads us to the next great characteristic of this Antioch church. Immediately they took in the DNA and the heart of Jesus and they committed themselves to be a church that was about Jesus and others. See, uh, Antioch immediately said, they didn't need any persecution. They immediately said, we're going to go and obey and go. We're going to go out of our little city and our little place and we're going to keep going. We're going to have a go mentality. We're going to have a them mentality. We are going to really believe that we have enough to go to the world. And so in Acts chapter 13, not even two years into their, into their existence as a church, the, the Spirit says to, to send their two best senior leaders to go into the wider regions of the Roman Empire and to plant churches. Right? And then the rest of the church supported these two leaders with prayer and finances. And these two leaders would come back, get refueled, and go back out. And here's what happened. What they didn't realize in this prayer moment when they said, okay, Barnabas and Saul, you can go. They didn't realize that they had a young firecracker in Saul that was right there who was going to change things in the, in the known world. What happened was is when this African... Greek, Jewish church started forming. The mother church in Jerusalem, like all the 12 big dogs, the apostles, they were like, what is going on? What the heck? All these different groups are together? And they send one of their best. And thankfully, they sent Barnabas to check it out. Barnabas comes, and he comes in a spirit of humility. He sees something new in a different region, and God's doing something, and he doesn't try to shut it down, control it, try to say, hey, my culture is the best, so I'm just going to shut this down. He's in awe, and he tells them, keep doing what you're doing. And then he's got the wisdom to go and go find this young crazy guy named Saul. You heard about Saul, right? So Saul used to be an enemy of Jesus. He uh, supervised a killing, his, the killing of Stephen, which is what started the persecution. He was hunting Christians down. Saul is then on his way to another city to find Christians who are hiding, and Jesus literally smacks him off his horse. I mean, literally smacks him. Have you ever thought about that, y'all? God feels like it's okay to literally smack you. Okay? I mean, that can happen, all right? Now, some of you right now are like, oh, yeah, God, could you smack this person for me? That's probably not where you want to go with that, that revelation, right? You just want to say, Lord, help me to obey you so you don't have to smack me. You know what I mean? He smacks Saul off this horse, makes him blind. I mean, the Lord will do whatever it takes to win your heart. Amen? Whatever it takes. And then Saul realizes that he's persecuting God. He decides to now turn his fire and zeal for Jesus. Starts going crazy telling people about Jesus. So the authorities are like, this dude who was our main enforcer is now our enemy. Let's go get him. So the underground Christian church goes and hides him out in Tarsus. And he's just out there. And then Barnabas is smart and he goes, there's something in this dude. I'm going to bring him to Antioch, not to Jerusalem. Saul learns about the kingdom of God through Antioch. So guess what Saul does? Antioch sends him and Barnabas out. He goes from city to city. He starts, he finds the synagogue, he preaches to the Jews. Any Jew that decides to follow Jesus, he takes them with him. Then he goes out into the streets or wherever the non-Jewish people, the Greeks and the Africans, wherever they would hang out, he talks to them about Jesus. Whoever wants to follow, he then brings the Jews, everybody together, and he goes, I learned this at Antioch. Guess what, y'all? You got to be family. You got to be family. That's how the New Testament church grew. That's why in all of the letters you see Paul, after the church have established, come back and say, 
okay, break the dividing wall of hostility in your church between Jew and Greek. Or he'll say in Galatians, in Jesus there is no Jew and Greek, there's unity, right? There is no male-female, there's unity, right? I mean, that is, that is the whole message of the gospel. Some of my favorite memories of this church have been when we have sent small teams to go to other places around the world to share the story of what God has done here in Lincoln Heights, East L.A., to the folks in the other part of the world and to hear their story and to learn about God together and to see God grow things in the other part of the world. Uh, you know, we, many of us have been over to the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Our first year that we were there, the pastor there, Stanley, and his wife, Moffat, are like, please come back every year. And be, just keep sharing your story because our people connect with your stories. They see something. And in fact, Stanley told me that because people in this church with our stories were willing to say, I will obey God and I will go to a different country to tell them my story in Jesus, he said their people said, if they can do it, we can do it. And so they went to Cuba and they started telling people in Cuba about Jesus and now have something going in Cuba. Dang, that's what we're talking about. And what we love is we go and we go and we're like, teach us what you're learning about God because we know he's already here with you and we're here to learn and give. It's that mutuality. That's where we're going, New Life. I am praying that every one of you who are sitting here in the next seven years, I pick seven because it's a biblical number, you know what I'm saying, will take at least one trip with us, a seven to 14 day trip with Brothers and sisters from here, from West L.A., from Pasadena, and go and obey God and just see the glory and the beauty that it will add to your story by obeying God, right? Uh, it's awesome. I mean, Gus and then Omar from Hope Community Church, East L.A., right? They joined up with some folks from Epicenter Pasadena, Chinese immigrants, Chinese American, right? They then went to... Uh, Germany to then meet all the ref Muslim refugees. This was a few years ago when they had to flee. And I mean, that's the kingdom of God right there. That's what Jesus is doing to save this world, to bring hope and healing. Antioch Church quickly went from being a son and daughter church, right? They were birthed from Jerusalem to being a mother-father church. That's, that's the new identity here in New Life. That is the new identity here in New Life. We do not have to wait till we're bigger. We don't have to wait till we have more resources. We have enough. We just need to have the courage to trust Jesus and live it out here and then take it, right? In 10 years, will we have a church down in Huntington Park in Southgate because God put something in somebody's heart here and they connected with somebody, somebody in East LA, uh, Hope Community Church, and we formed them up and they started a church down there? I don't know. Will we be going to another state? We'll be, but we have got to come together and do it here. What it means is we are preaching a message of love and of transformation that if you, wherever you have been through in your life, whatever kind of pain and struggle you have been through in your life, in the spiritual family of God, you have a place of safety and you are known. I'm talking to anybody. Anybody, no matter your background, right? No matter what's been going on. Right? If you have struggled to pay the bills your whole life and have just grinded along 
and you can't have the nicer things of life because you're just trying to eat and, and, and pay your rent. You have family here who will listen and be with you in your story, no judgments. If you, I mean, we can go down the list. If you have been divorced multiple times, this is family for you. If you have been the victim of affairs, or you have done the affairs, if you have, are in recovery for drugs, alcohol, if you are prone to anger and violence, if you are a materialist and you're just stuck with greed and stuff and comfort, right? Whatever it is, if you are a middle-aged person and you are single, every story is welcome in the family of God as a place of safety and a place where Jesus will heal. But then what Jesus does when we come together and bring our collective stories is he says, your pain is always going to be with you. I am not going to take away your pain. You know, you'll hear me talk about Jesus saying, if you follow me, I'll give you the best life. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden all their pain and struggle goes away. That's the garbage you hear on the TV preachers. What that means the best life is, no, your pain and your story will always be a part of you, but it will not dominate you. I will lead you through it. I will lead you through it and I will take that pain. Remember, Jesus is the example. He went through all the pain and he died and he rose from the dead and he had the brand new body. But guess what was on his body? The scar. He still had that scar. That's right. See, it never goes away, but that scar didn't hurt anymore. And he was able to show people, hey, guess what? Now, through my power and my love, your pain is now going to become your advocate. See, all the stories that you have gone through, all the difficult things, those difficult things, they want to own, they want to cause all that hopelessness, they want to kind of grind you, that's what the devil wants to do through our pain, but Jesus wants to say, I'm going to actually make you a more than a conqueror with that pain, I'm going to bring you to such a place where there will be a day, if you stay with me, that you will be using the story of your pain to liberate and help walk with other people through their pain. In East L.A., no matter what their background is, and all through the world. That's what it is. You don't need some fancy seminary degree or all this money. You just take your story and put it in the hands of Jesus, in the hands of the church family, and you just stay consistent and walk with him, and that's what you bring to the world, that message of hope and power and love. Amen? That's where we're going. I've got so much more. We've got nachos and asada afterwards, so I'm taking, you know what I'm saying, don't go mad at me. I've gone a little bit long. I'm fired up today, but you're going to be fed here real quick. In fact, I'll bring the worship team up so you know I'll, I'll just be a couple more minutes. <laughs> Come on, worship team. And my wife, she knows. She knows how to. There's two other things that we see in the description of Antioch Community Church that is going to be what we are pursuing together, okay? Two other things, radical generosity and the Spirit of God living amongst them. You hear at the end of the chapter, they're a brand new church, but some people come in and they hear there's going to be a famine all over the place, and they just rally their finances to give to those who are going to have no food. That has always been true of this church, but we got to go to another level. We're going we're gonna to help each other become so radical with our generosity that people are going to be like, what the heck is going on? Do you know that we had, I've had uh, one person, we have our relief fund, all the stuff that we collect as family, we, we've put set aside 10% to give away to people in need. One person who's not a part of this church, he was connected to a family, they were, in, they were hurting, I think they needed, I can't remember the deal, it was like the lights turned on or something, and we gave it to him, and this person said, 
I've never, ever heard of a church that actually gives money away. Never heard of that. Heard a lot of churches that take money. Never heard of a church that gives money. We're going to give to God together, and then we're going to give it away. We're going to be so radical with our stuff that people are going to know something's real going on here. And then we're going to pursue the Spirit of God. We're going to pursue the Spirit of God. In Acts 13, they're, they're praying and fasting, and the Lord speaks to them to say, here's what to do as a church. In Acts 15, we find out that miracles have been happening amongst their place. And this is where, church, we've got to grow together. Because we've had moments in our church history where the Spirit of God has been thick in this room, and then there's been moments where we're, we're, we're just asking for it, but we're not pursuing enough of it. When you look at the totality of the pain and suffering just in your blood family, then you look in our city, you look in our nation, you look in our world, I'm going to tell you, right, we need everything to solve these problems, right? We need smart people to fix things behind the scenes. We need the leaders out in the front, whether it's through social media, protests, speeches, whatever. We need all of it. But without the Spirit of God, it will not change. It's not a, only the Spirit of God. It's holistic. But the problem is, is we, we can often just give the prayer, the lip service, and then get into the practical efforts to change. We've got to get into the practical efforts to change. But we need the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes in power to transform brokenness, to heal pain, to transform and cause repentance to people in power, stubbornness, pride, addictive behaviors. We need the Spirit of God. We have to be a praying church, a vulnerable church, and then a church that meets all the needs. And we can't do it one another, but we do it all together. And so, church, as we respond to Jesus right now, we're going to go after his spirit. But what I'm asking you, church, is the, the dream is so clear, right? Can you see the dream? We just need to commit. we got to commit and be consistent. That's it, right? And everything that you want to be good, you just got to go and you got to just, this is right. Whatever I feel, this is the right thing to do every week right just think about think about your blood family for a second I feel like I want to be closer to you right I never I just feel like oh I just want to like right think about your blood family the blood family I've been going through it I shared a couple weeks ago just like you can't the blood family we have we have to be together for life but there's a lot of struggle in blood And if you detach from spiritual family because there's more chaos in your blood family for a season, that's actually going to make it harder for you in the blood family. You see, in order to bring hope and transformation to blood family, we've got to press into spiritual family because it's in the spiritual family that we get all that we need to endure and bring Jesus into our blood family. What happens, and it has happened to me, when I get away from Jesus with my blood family, I start to slowly go back to the old Chris before Jesus in my blood family, and I contribute to the problems instead of bring new solutions and bring healing. You feel me? And so what I'm saying is I know sometimes life gets so crazy, and we just think, I can't do spiritual family right now because i got to focus in on you know, all my blood family problems, but that's actually the opposite of what has to happen. When things getting crazier, press into spiritual family, get to life group, come to church, receive what you need so that you can then bring change to blood family. 
And it's that chaos, that, that struggle that keeps us from being consistent in the spiritual family. And then the other thing that keeps us being consistent is all the temptations of L.A. that will give us better joy, everything. The sports scene, the entertainment scene, the, the weekends, away, you know, all this stuff. And of course, it's not like everything's bad, but what happened to us during COVID, right? In COVID, we all felt the thirst of our souls just start screaming at us. We were lonely, we were bored, we were afraid and anxious. And so it was the soul was crying out. And now that things are open up, what's happened to our city? People aren't, people aren't running to God for that soul thirst. They're like, party, hit the clubs, get away to the weekend, get into the sports stuff, whatever it takes. And it's like, there's a right balance and health with those kind of things. They're not all evil, but what we got to say is, no, that's right. My soul is thirsty for Jesus and for the family that he calls me to commit to. And so every week, Sunday and life group, and we walk together in that vulnerable place. And then the Lord, the dream starts coming true. Every Sunday, what would happen in the next four months if you said, Lord Jesus, I'm going to try to meet one new person and talk with them in my church family. What would happen after four months? Lord Jesus, I'm going to make a commitment to my life group that I will never miss, no matter how tired I am, no matter what's going on, I'm going to be there. Of course, there's emergencies. We're talking like, oh, the dream. He wants to, in our prayer time this morning, it was all this imagery of like, I'm, I'm like a mother that's just saying, I've got everything you need, just don't turn your back on me. I've got the well of living water. Just come and drink from me. Just come. He just wants to love and pour out and give you comfort and give you wholeness and give you help. Just come to me day in, day out, week in and week out. Stand with me. Stand with me. Let's just start to worship Jesus. He has called each of us to see our lives differently than, than, the, than, than the world has told us to see our lives. He has told us to no longer be ashamed of our pain and our mistakes, but to bring it to him that he can transform it. He has told us to stop comparing ourselves, but to realize that our uniqueness as we go to him and each other is going to be used for other people's healing. And he has invited us to commit to him and the family for our good. He wants to love on us. He wants to love on us. Come, Holy Spirit of God, as we worship. As we worship, I'm just going to ask the leaders to, 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 the prayer leaders to come down over on the sides. This is our sacred space. If there is something that I said today that you're like, I want to see that happen, pray into that, worship into that. If you are thirsty and dry and you know that the spiritual family has been given to you, then come and get prayer. If you need to go to somebody and give them a hug and pray for them, do that. If you just need to sing and give Jesus this glory and praise that he has offered you a life that nobody else can offer, just sing and praise. This is your sacred time. Come, Holy Spirit of God. We're yours. Oh, sweep us up into your plans. Make us a church like Antioch. Make us into... The, the kind of church that you brag about to the angels around. Oh, give us all of your spirit, Lord Jesus. Come, come, come. Help us to be bold to ask you for it. Give us just freedom, freedom from shame and inhibition. Just give us freedom to say yes to you today, just today. Come, Lord Jesus. We're yours.